0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where we explore the adventures, perspectives, and philosophies of world travelers. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening. Real quick, before I introduce today's guest, if you have listened to past episodes of the podcast, or if you enjoy this one, please write a review on Apple Podcasts, either through the app on your iPhone or through iTunes on your computer. I really enjoy reading your feedback, and it also helps new people discover these conversations, as well as help me continue to get awesome people onto the show. If you need a step-by-step guide on how to write a review, go to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash podcast dash review. So quick question for you all. If one of your friends asked you to drive nearly 1,500 miles round trip to Mexico this weekend in order to get tacos, would you jump at this opportunity or quickly say no? If you thought yes, then I think you would get along great with my guest today. On today's episode, I talk with Julian DeShooter, who is a builder of companies, charities, Projects, cultures, communities, and an overall fascinating life. He has traveled to some incredible places throughout the building of these things, and he's also done some random travels like driving from Vancouver to Mexico in order to get tacos in one weekend. That is surprisingly a true story, and uh, I'll let him explain more of that during the conversation. Uh, but overall, you know, Julian's passion is an intersection between building things people care about and telling stories about them. One of these has taken shape in the form of a company called Chasing Sunrise. Chasing Sunrise is a community that understands life, is about waking up every day, and going after the things that we truly want, and also living in a way that our 9-to-5 and 95-year-old self will appreciate. This idea was born when him and his co-founder, Gordon Swenson, challenged themselves to wake up at 4.30 a.m. every day for 21 days. At the end of this, they woke up especially early to hike a mountain near Vancouver to see the sunrise. They were astounded by the beauty and feeling they had from this experience, and they wanted to share it with other people. This led them to do this hike a few more times and continue to invite people, and eventually on one of their hikes they hit over 400 people just in one morning to see the sunrise. Now, this led them to question why people were responding so well to this idea. You know, why were people waking up at 2 a.m. to go hike a mountain just to see the sunrise? They thought there was something much more in that than just the activity itself. So this kind of brought them to the creation of Chasing Sunrise to try to capture this feeling and continue to expand upon it. I'm going to let Julian explain more about that. I think he does a much better job, but that's kind of the gist of it for now. And overall, they really just get people together to do awesome adventures and provide a means for deep connection. Um, They've had events in Morocco, Nepal, and the Yukon Territory to see the Northern Lights and are continuing to expand these events uh, throughout the world. Julian really understands just how short life is, and is constantly trying to live in a way that his 80-year-old self would thank him for. Now, this means pursuing ideas, putting them out into the world, being vulnerable, and going on crazy adventures despite all the fear and discomfort that comes with that. He always tries to push boundaries on what he and others think can be done, while always trying to do what makes him feel most alive. He truly believes in forming deep connections, working together, and lifting each other up instead of preying on fears or insecurities. And I think you'll really be able to see this in our conversation, and you can also easily see this on his Instagram, where he shares a lot of real talk and inspirational words with his followers, and I highly recommend checking him out. His Instagram handle is Deshoots, that's D-E-S-H-O-O-T-S. The shoots. Some of the other things we do talk about in this conversation, uh, we do talk about some of the places Julian has traveled to because of Chasing Sunrise and what he's learned from these experiences. We talk about developing self-awareness and the importance of it in, in an increasingly distracted world, how we all have so much life inside of us but don't always have the outlet to express it, and how to actually awaken this life and change it to align with what's important to each and every one of us, and how anyone can add more adventure, more creativity, and more meaning into their life, and much, much more people. I'm really excited to share this with you. It was a great conversation, and... uh, if you've listened to some of the past episodes, whether that's with Dane or Matt Wilson or Jeff Lister, you know all those guys are very open and, and vulnerable, and he uh, he's right in line with that. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If you want to skip around and just go to what interests you most, you can find the full show notes and links to some of the things we reference at edgeofcomfort.com forward slash eocp22. That's the numbers two two. Make sure to stick around at the end for the question of the episode. And thank you so much to Julian for an open and vulnerable conversation. Thank you to Dane from episode 20 for the connection. Thank you for listening. And let's go. Good morning.
1: What's all the commotion? Wow. Are Padina fish big? Same, same, but different. If I can't scuba, then what's this all been about?
0: Welcome to the Edge of Comfort Podcast with your host, Lee Thornquist. All right, hello everyone. You are live here today with. Uh, myself and Julian Deschuter out in uh, Vancouver, I believe. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Vancouver, Canada. All right. The only place that didn't get hit by the, the frozen spell this last little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been. I was getting pictures of all my friends out east, and I'm skateboarding down the street the t shirts.
0: <laughs> that is very fortunate for you guys, then. We just had uh, quite the fun Arctic burst here in Chicago, which I'm sure. If you know anyone in this area, I'm sure you saw on Instagram or from the news or everything. But uh, but yeah, that's great. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm really excited to, to talk with you after um, hearing from Jeff and from Dane, who just found out you know both of them. Well, I knew you knew Dane, but just found out you knew Jeff. Um, really excited to talk with you and uh, kind of hear about your story. So uh, I guess a good place to start would maybe be Um just kind of doing some research and learning about Chasing Sunrise and some of the other projects you've done, it really seems that a lot of kind of the reasons behind your endeavors and entrepreneurship things are because of like something very meaningful and deep to you and not just like I don't know, something much more greater than yourself, it seems, and kind of something that makes you really get excited and um I've seen you use, you know, makes you feel alive. So I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about what are the things that come to mind when you think of, you know, these are the things that truly make me feel alive and get me excited and kind of day to day, I want to be focusing on these things no matter where I am.
1: Yeah, man, I think that's, I think that's such a good question that so many of us don't spend nearly enough time thinking about. Um, And for whatever reason, ever since I was just a little kid, I've just had these like little urges inside um and at the core of it it just really comes down to the two words of honoring myself Uh, and not in an egotistical way but just really realizing like who am i and what do i want from this one shot here um and that's really been a massive driver behind a lot of my decisions i did go to university um was going to be an engineer ended up dropping out of engineer school was then going to go into business, ended up finishing the business degree, got to the end of it and realized that that side of the world wasn't that good and just slowly shaped me into entrepreneurship Um, in a lot of ways because I really wanted to be connected to the outcome of what I did. Um, And that's really been something that as I've kind of gotten older and gotten a little bit more perspective and seen projects kind of come and go and the things that I'm gravitated to, is it's really just how do I feel connected to the impact behind what I'm doing, whether that be running trips with people, whether that be trips I'm going on, whether that be projects I take on. Um, but it really goes to the question of like when I'm 80 years old and I'm looking back on this, is that something that I'm going to be, I did or not? Um, and the reason why I love going to the 80 year old self is because it takes the long-term perspective you know, It's not just looking for like what feels good now, which I think we're so overwhelmed with in our choices nowadays, but it's like, what is the 80-year-old version of myself going to look back on and be like, yeah, you, you put the time in, you stayed true to that, you stuck with it, um, and even if it doesn't work out as I envision today, just the fact that it was what I knew at the core I wanted to do, I just don't feel like there's any point I'll get to the end of my life and regret being true and honest with myself.
0: So was there a time, whether that's at university or shortly after, where you felt like you weren't honoring yourself? Was there like a time where you felt split between what you were actually doing and what you knew deep down you wanted to be doing?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. So for my story, it never, there was never a time where I was necessarily in a space that I felt super incongruent with. Um, As much as now looking back, I realized that, like, especially earlier on when I had no idea what I wanted to do, I would make up stories to justify why I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, So, for example, I go back to engineering um, and I've always been decent in math and physics, but never really cared about math or physics, Um, but got myself into engineering because it was good, because it was stable, because it had a lot of prestige to it. Um, And I remember just getting six months into it and just hating it. Um, And it was interesting because I didn't hate the outcomes of it. Like I wanted to have that stability and I wanted to have the prestige and I wanted to do something that was meaningful. But the actual means by which I got to that, I just I remember sitting there at my kitchen table. I was like 19 years old and I just looked at my mom and she's just like and I just looked at her and I was like, I hate every minute of going to class about this. Um, and for me, that was actually one of the most powerful moments in my life. Cause I thought you're going to get like the typical parent thing where it's like, just like suck it up, stick it out. And she just turns to me and she's like, quit. And I was just like, huh? Like really? <laughs> and it was just, just one of those cool moments. And she just, she's like, you got a lot of life ahead of you. If you don't like it, trust that, quit, find something else. Um, and it was cool. Cause like I traced a lot of my decisions. Back to that point where from that point forward, it was just that active reflection of like asking myself conscious consciously and constantly, like, what do I want to do? And does that actually align? And it was cool because you hear those people that talk about life becoming not effortless, but in like a flow state. Um, And I just deeply believe that it's every single one of our obligations to find out the way that we naturally look at the world and find things to do that align with that Um, and you see it like the people that excel in all their fields are the ones where it's not they're not grinding out in how they show up they might put a shitload of work in um, but really from that point forward that was my pursuit is asking myself how do I look at the world and what do I what can I do that aligns me with that
0: so yeah I guess so those two questions you maybe asked yourself but um. yeah, how did you first start making that shift? You know, if there's someone out there right now listening who's like, that totally struck with me. I I feel like I'm in that exact place where I'm not doing what I want to be doing and I need to make a change, whether that's quitting my current job or field and finding out something that actually moves me at a deeper level and going into that area. Like, what are some of the maybe first or second steps someone could take to make that shift, whether in their mind or in actually their actions?
1: Yeah, I think that's such a powerful question, especially nowadays, where we're just overstimulated with all these, just say, alternate lifestyles, Um, almost to the point that we're shamed to them. You know, like if if you're sitting in a nine to five and you're watching and you're scrolling through Instagram at work, like you're not seeing other people doing what you're doing. It's like people having fun, people traveling, people doing this, people having all this freedom. Um, and the truth is for most people, that amount of freedom and that lifestyle probably wouldn't work. Um, and so like my advice always to myself and to anyone else is just like one, take a step back and breathe, you know, like just, it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of feeling that. And then two, just get really, really interested in what you're curious about. Um, and what you're not curious about. And that was a really interesting thing for me because. I had a bunch of friends that were doing the travel thing and I just, I looked at their lifestyle and I was like, it looks good, but I'd be miserable without some sort of grounding just for myself personally. Um, And I started to pay attention to like, what books was I more interested in? What articles would I naturally look at? um, And I ended up falling in love with human psychology. And it was one of those things like I go back to engineering and I'm like, what does human psychology and engineering have in common? And on the surface, it's nothing. But underneath, engineering, well-practiced, is just the building of a city. Human psychology in practice is just the building of a life. Um, and so it was really cool to start like right at the beginning and just really pay attention to those little things I got curious about um, and from there was just willing to like lean into them. And it didn't happen overnight. Like I wasn't sitting there in the beginning being like, I love human psychology. It just started more in the sense of like, oh, that book was really interesting. Let me go find another one and another one and another one. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of interests in there that like I started to pick up and fizzled out, you know. And so over the past 10 years, it's just it's been this constant refinement of taking the curiosities that I have and being willing to lean into them.
0: So one of those – actually, real quick, back to the kind of the Instagram thing because that's – I really liked what you said about that because I think so many like the, the influencers on Instagram nowadays I, – I forget where I saw this. I saw some video of this guy talking about saying like, yeah, you're an influencer, but what are you influencing people to do or to think? He's like, for anyone with a large following out there, I challenge you to look at your page and say – if someone comes and looks at my content, are they walking away feeling better about themselves or getting something that they can take away and like build upon? Or are they looking at your page and saying like, wow, this person has the perfect life or I'm comparing myself to them and I hate what I'm doing. I want to be more like them, like in a more negative sense. And one of the things when I was looking through your page was just like, wow, I I was reading your captions and everything and you know your pictures are incredible, but I didn't feel like, oh, I want to be there right now. It was like, I was reading what you were saying, and it's like, hey, this here's someone who's just trying to be open and like help everyone out in whatever way that works for them, you know. Um, so, can you talk to me a little bit more about just that openness and vulnerability, and um, just I I don't know if you do that intentionally or if that's just like, I you know I I don't know if this is making sense, but just looking at your the things you write is just like. I don't know, it felt more empowering to like take a look at your life, not in a negative way, but like a realistic way and be like, hey, what can I improve on and what can I do today to to be better or to live my life in a more meaningful way?
1: Yeah, man, that's, yeah, so to answer your first question, I absolutely do it intentionally. Um, I think right now we live in what is possibly the craziest time to be alive just because of the exposure to different people, to different lifestyles, to different energies, to different beliefs. Um, And then also on the other side of like the influence, you know, Um, and the influence that we're seeing is real. But I think what you said there is like, what are you influencing? And how are you influencing is the biggest question systemically that we haven't really looked at, you know, and it's kind of the wild West right now. Um, and whether that's good or bad is yet to be seen, you know, but like for myself, it's, it's kind of that thing where we know that making people miss out gets them to act in a certain way, or we know that altered images makes people respond in a certain way, you know? And so I think like every single person as a human has an obligation to those people that are following them. Um, and there's such a gray area in this where there's that line between like, I'm just sharing my life. And other people watching my life, it makes them feel bad, you know, and that's, that's the big gray area debate. But there's no, there's no debate in the fact that if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, you're probably looking for ways you don't stack up, you know, and and I think even when you look at the way that we've quantified, say, Instagram, right, like you're looking at these people. And certain things get more engagement than others. And as humans, we're wired to go do those things to get a better score, you know. Um, And so it ends up creating this mechanism that everybody wants to end up looking and going in the same direction. Um, And you see that with travel, you know, like if you put real experiences from travel, they don't get much engagement. But you put these really beautiful pictures up there and they get a ton. And so all of a sudden you have everybody basically posting the same stuff. Um, but what we often forget is that for every, like, for every follower, for every interaction is a real human being that is sitting, thinking and feeling on the other end of that minus the bajillion bots. Um, (laughs) right. That's a whole whole other topic. Um, but yeah, as as anybody with even a hundred followers, you know, like I think you have an obligation to sit there and post something and be like, what the hell is in it for the person sitting on the other side? Um, And I think there's just so much more connection in the authenticity and the realness. And I always think about the question of like, if you look at engagement as a binary like or not like, but what we don't look at is depth of engagement. You know, like I've had somebody that shared a moment of struggle that I didn't even respond to that still to this day, three years later, shapes my life. You know, and it, from their end, it was that moment of openness and vulnerability and them just saying, here's the shitty part. Um, and in their struggle, I found a lot of um, connection through what I was going through. You know, I think I think that's really where the real growth of social media, social connection and all this influence and could go is if we make a conscious choice to use it to genuinely connect Um Hard part is the platforms aren't designed for that, but I think we as people can make that stand, you know? And I'm, I'm realizing that more and more that the more I put stuff like that out there, the more you connect with other people that resonate with it. Um, but for me, it's really just like, how do you share what is true to you and find other people that it resonates with, you know? Um, and just posting the really good stuff and the really high, the really nice highlights without getting into the real shit that I've gone through to get there, you know, is just giving you this little part of a picture that actually cheapens the final experience. Um, And so like going back to like what drives me and my 80 year old self is like, I know that a life of struggle in a really healthy way is going to be a hell of a lot more rewarding than a life that always looks good, you know? Um, And so my drive to share that with other people, connect with that around other people, and just to have real, meaningful, deep connections and engagements with people, both online and offline, you know, like there's no amount of likes and followers that I care about over that. Um, and that's been a process to like get there and to like play that. But I just I made a conscious point probably a year and a half ago and it was just sitting there like 80 year old me would be pissed at the end of my life if I sat there and I had this facade of what looked beautiful And knew that on the inside, it was all bullshit, you know? And so for me, it just was that choice where it was just opening up like that was the truest form of putting myself out there. And in that, I've met so many people that I connect with on just such a deep level that you just realize there's a whole different reward system out there that's worth kind of leading into.
0: Yeah, so I think that'd be a good place to maybe start um, talking a little bit more about Chasing Sunrise then, Um, but to lead into that as well, I feel... I saw you share this the other day. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, uh, It was a clip. Oh, yeah. It was a clip from uh, Russell Brand, I think his podcast, um, where they were talking, him and his guests were talking about kind of like how self hatred is a big business. And they're talking specifically about like the invention of cellulite, which is just this natural thing that happens to women. And this one person was like, I'm going to make money off this and convince people it's a big issue that they need to fix and like a flaw that they have. Um, and I mean, just from your last answer and everything you talk about, it seems like you take the exact opposite approach, which is more like self-improvement, self-discovery and empowerment and that deep connection. And And so um, can you talk about just like bringing that idea and that kind of value system into Chasing Sunrise or some of your other um whether they were the charity organizations or some of the other things that you do,
1: yeah, man. Um, I think that that's one of those interesting things that like kind of started to come up as I fell in love with human psychology. Like you realize how powerful understanding it is. Um, and I remember when we first started chasing sunrise. It was just one of those things that you would see it in action so quickly. You know, like if I could make you feel like you were going to miss out on something. I'd get you to show up Um, and it was super interesting because I started to just like have conversations with my friends about this um, and you realize that while it's short-term powerful, it's long-term damaging, you know, like I could get you to act in the moment, but what about all the other people that still felt that that couldn't end up coming out? So we run a bunch of travel trips. um, And it's kind of one of those things where you can, you can sit there and make people feel like they're going to miss out if they don't come which we'll get some people to act and sign up. Um, But the question that we always wanted to ask is like, what about all the other people that felt that that couldn't sign up, you know, and what are we doing to them? Um, And through kind of like my love with psychology and diving into it, you just start to realize that we have these vulnerabilities and these weaknesses as people that if we want, we can exploit them. You know, like if I create something over here, on this side and make you feel like you're going to miss out. I can get you to join over here. Um, And if you marry that into capitalism, you can make a lot of money. Um, And there's billions and billions and billions of dollars exchanging hands every year because of that world, you know, and I just kind of extrapolate that to the end and I go, what happens when everybody's acting like that? And you end up with a society that no matter what we end up doing feels lonely, depressed, like they're missing out, unconnected, and unhappy. Um, and it was it was really interesting to have, like, those opportunities present themselves and just kind of to be forced to make the choices as somebody that creates something and puts them out into the world, do I want to participate in that? Or do I want – am I willing to step back even if I don't get rewarded? You know, and it was just to kind of have that sense um, – and to be put in that position, it's, it's tough, you know, because you're sitting there and you watch other people doing it. and You're like, well, it's just the way it is. Um, but it's also not the way it could be, you know, and it's for me, it ended up making that choice that like, if all I do is that to make money, once again, I'm going to get to the end of that and I'm going to have money and I'm just I'm not happy, you know. Um, and so looking at it that way, made it really easy to ask the simple question of like, what's actually going to help people? you know? And it's like, the truth is, is that if I put on a trip and somebody doesn't come, yeah, maybe they would have been better off if they came, but maybe not, you know, I don't know. And so how do you, how do you put that question back onto the person authentically in like just a really good way to challenge them to question themselves and then let them make their own choice? Because the truth is me sitting on this side of the table from somebody has no idea. Um, And I think if you start to like, honestly look at advertising and influence in that way now and you start to ask honest questions of people it just changes the entire game Um, but the only thing that I know for certain is that when people are not made to feel like they are less when people are not shamed um, about who they are when people are genuinely accepted and loved for whatever space they're in they come alive And that value created there is more valuable than any amount of monetary currency we'll ever have.
0: So I guess we probably should have explained a little bit about what Chasing Sunrise is exactly for those who maybe never heard of it. Um, So could you kind of explain what Chasing Sunrise is exactly and maybe some of the story behind it and how you do create that community that allows people to be themselves and kind of break out of that and um, get those feelings?
1: Yeah, so CS started, I guess it was like three years ago by accident, um, and it was just my roommate and I, and we were hanging out. And I was, I think, 27 at the time. He was 30, 31, and it was just in that routine in life where you're just, just kind of moving into the monotonous, you know, where, like, life starts to speed up, and you wake up, you do the same thing, you come home, you go to bed, you wake up. And we just were sitting around one night, and we're just like, this isn't what I want. And he's like, Nope, not what I want either. And it wasn't one of those moments where I'm like, I want to quit everything, run away, go travel the world. Like you're told so often and you see so often, it was just like, what small shifts can we create in our lives without blowing up our lives? Um, that'll maybe switch it up. And so we committed to getting up every day for a month straight at 4:30 in the morning. Um, and there was no, there was no grand plan. There was no crazy thing. It was just, let's just see what works. Um, And it was super powerful because by like day five or six of it, you end up waking up at 4.30 in the morning. It was November. So like it's still dark till 8.30. (laughs) Um, And you're just you're just forced to ask this question like, what do I want? You know, and and when you're getting up at 4.30, you don't really want to waste that time because you're just sitting there and you're like, why the hell did I go to bed at 8.30 and get up at 4.30 if I'm just going to sit up and do nothing with it? Um, and so I just started writing and going to the gym and doing all those things that I knew I'd always wanted to do, but always just fell into that category of, if I had more time. Um, and that simple act was just one of the simplest, most powerful ways to make me feel like I was back in control of my life. And so we ended up doing that for about a month. Um, and then on the 22nd day, which was the last day of the month. Um We decided to go keep it alive and go climb a mountain, just kind of local backyard in Vancouver. And it was crazy because it was like minus 50 on the mountain. There was like 60 kilometer an hour winds. I'm wearing Nikes. My buddy G's wearing Nikes. No idea what we're doing. There was a freak year with no snow. Um, and so we're just sitting up there and on top of the mountain and the sun comes up. And it was just like one of those like phenomenally powerful experiences you have when you're traveling where you're like, I never want this to end. Um, And on the way down we were just chatting back and forth and it just kind of slapped both of us in the face that it's like, we're an hour from home. This has been in our backyard our entire lives. We've never done it and it costs us nothing. Um, And it was just kind of that slap in the face where you just, you realize that we always put the experiences that we want just out of reach, because when they're just out of reach, you don't have to actually go get them. Um, And that this was so stupid, simple and so easy um, that we almost realized that we were the ones to blame, you know. And so from there, it was just like, let's keep going. Let's keep finding more opportunities like this. And so we ended up coming back a few times and it went from like 10 of us coming to 20 of us coming to 100 people showing up to 200 people showing up. Uh, To the point that we were on top of a mountain at five o'clock in the morning, and there was like 450 people, and you just realize that there's like a whole ton of life inside people that's just sitting there. Um, And so from that point, it was kind of this thing where it's like we don't really know what it is, why people are showing up, but we just know that like at the core of it, people want to live. You know, like they want to live these just really aligned, engaged life and be surrounded by people who. align with them. Um, and so from that, this community basically formed, um, and so for the last kind of year and a half, two years, we've been building this community up predominantly in Vancouver and then slowly expanding the cities around the world.
0: Okay. So, um, I do want to get into some of the, more of those cities, but, um, that, that kind of that feeling that you saw people having and being able to grow it to that many people coming up on this mountain. Um, I think it was in a podcast with um, the name of Elisa unfiltered. I think that's right yeah um, and you you kind of talked about that as well, and you like noticed that, I think you said like the experience it didn't have to really do with climbing the mountain or seeing the sunrise. It was something deeper. you maybe you still don't know exactly what that is. Like can you expand on what this is or how you've kind of learned to better understand it at this point?
1: Yeah, it's been, and that's been the really crazy thing, like marrying my love of just living a good life on one hand with my other love of psychology and trying to figure it out. And you just, people have life in them, you know? And then we get stuck in our routines and our jobs and our obligations and going to the gym and meal prepping and all this stuff. And before you know it, we end up becoming almost robotic- roboticized where we're no longer feeling like we're in control. Um, and I think that's why, like as a society, we're so drawn to travel, to Instagram, to Netflix, to these like momentary escapes from our reality, um, that tap back into that feeling of what it's like to be alive. Um, and so it's interesting because we've spent the last little bit trying to figure out what that is. And it's, it's one of those things I don't think words will ever put it in, but like you feel it when you're traveling in a space where it's just totally new and totally refreshed. You feel that when you're in love, you feel that when you're at a really good concert and you feel the energy of 20,000 people around you. Um, and I think those high experiences are the ones that were marketed and told, but really is like, how do you make your life be a series of small little ones like that with some big ones in between while taking in the reality of the work it takes to get there? Yeah. And for us, like, really comes down to like really good people in the right spaces. Yeah. It's
0: it almost seems like it's part of it is being just completely in the moment a little bit um like that that mindfulness and just being that, and yeah, these kind of distractions we have to try to get that is just like a surface level momentary thing that, yeah, maybe briefly it feels like we're getting that, but deep down it's just kind of fake um but yeah, so did you when did like? cause you also have something called damn early days and that's kind of you're like, is that like a program to get people on that wake up early schedule and kind of the challenge? Like when did, did that come before chasing sunrise or those two the same things? Like what's the, dis, not distinction, but I guess what's the difference between those two?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting because the, the really cool part of CS that I've loved and it's been such a love, hate, I'm honest. is just like, when we were sitting on top of the mountain with two, three, 400 people, like you had this feeling and it was just like, that's it, you know, like that's, that's the feeling that we're trying to create in the world. And you know, that it has nothing to do with the mountain and everything to do with the people and their mindset into that mountain. Um, And so kind of taking it off the mountain is like, what does that actually look like in a city? Um, And how do you actually build A community that stays true to why we started it. Um, And so the first year of CS was just like exploring that. And it really just came down to this question of like, how do you help people live a really good life? Realizing that the two words good life are so individually defined that no individual can say what it is for another person. right? And I think that's the crazy thing that we're looking at now is with diversity of what that means for people you know and so damn early days is one of the programs chasing sunrise runs only in the sense that you know what maybe getting up and shaking up your life is what you need maybe it's not you know but how do you how do you give people these simple opportunities when they're feeling stuck to kind of step outside and shake it up Um, and so going forward chasing sunrise has started to build trips and experiences on one side and programs on the other that are all designed to help somebody answer the question, like what is a good life for them and how do they live it? Um, And a lot of that comes down to the way you spend your time and the people you spend your time with.
0: So tell me about one of the recent experiences or both if you want, I saw you recently did a, a trip to Everest base camp And then you also recently did a trip to Morocco. Um, I guess tell me about both, but start with whatever one you want. I mean, these both looked like such unique, cool things where you did bring this community of people together. And not only were you in an awesome place doing an awesome activity, but you were able to bring those people together. Like, are these all random people? Did they sign up? Did you have to, like, vet people out or turn people away? Like, how did you make sure, okay, these 20 or so people who are here... You know, we know that this is kind of the the right people for this event or this community.
1: Yeah, so it's actually been a really cool thing um, that we've, like, just played and experimented with. Um, so one of the big things that we're really interested doing as an organization, like, you go traveling, you meet these people, you have, like, these surreal experiences that cement you together, and then the trip ends, and you kind of go poof. And you never, like, <laughs> half the time, you don't see any of them again. Um when you think about like the biggest experiences in your life, like you want that social cohesion with the people that you're there. And so it was cool, like chasing, um, we went to Everest, there's a trip called Chasing Everest. It was the first time we'd ever done a trip that big outside of Vancouver. Um, But a majority of the people, I think probably of the 32 people went, 28 of them were all from Vancouver. And so it was cool because, like, before the trip, everyone had met up, got to know each other, a whole bunch of them trained together. They end up coming on this really crazy experience. Um, for some people, it was one of the toughest experiences they ever had in their life. Other people shifted them in certain ways. And then they come home and the trip is done. But they still have all those people that they've gone on the trip with. Um, and that's, for us, really where this magic happens, you know, where it's like those are those people that you watch social circles shift, right? And you find these people that you're like genuinely aligned with that you vibe with, that you want to go travel with, that understand who you are, push you to be better. Um, and you only really find those people by meeting a lot of people and kind of going through different experiences with them. And certain people fit in your life in some ways and certain people don't. Um, but then you find those people and you're just like, we're going to be friends for a really long time. Um, And so chasing Everest was the first trip that we had done in that um, style. And it was super cool because like average success rates of getting a crew to base camp is generally about 65% of the people that start get up to base camp. And it depends on um, a lot of factors, but it was cool because uh, for that trip up to Everest, it was 95% of the people that came with us made it up there. Um, And it was cool because, we started asking people like how many times they wanted to quit throughout the trip. And it's like every morning when I wake (laughs) up, uh, but you're surrounded by all these other people that you're kind of going through the fire with. And you watched it where it's like people relied on other people throughout. And when somebody wasn't feeling good, somebody else carried their backpack and you just realized that like, as humans we're a hell of a lot stronger together than we'll ever be as individuals. Um, and so that trip was really powerful in that sense of like, how do you both honor the individuality of all of us as people, but realize that we're all still together in this big, crazy thing called society. Um, and to do that on like a small scale where it's just 30 of us, and then to do that on a large scale as a city, you know? Um, and I think as the internet and through globalization, as we make the world smaller and smaller and smaller, we're going to see a lot more of that discussion needed. Um and so it was just really cool to have this little microcosm that you realize that when people come together and have a common goal, they're just you see a side of people that you don't see when they're individuals. Um so that yeah, that trip was really really cool on that. And then uh we followed that one up with uh Morocco. So we just got back from a trip to Morocco. Um 60 of us ended up doing what something called that we call a spirit quest. And it's just like, how do you pack the most ridiculous things into a single trip? Almost to the point that they defy what makes sense. And so that actually started a year and a half ago when my buddies and I were chatting and we we're just like, I want tacos. And he's like, you want to drive to Mexico and get tacos? <laughs> and we literally drove from Vancouver, Canada, all the way down to Mexico and back in a weekend for tacos. What? What? Yeah, it was uh, almost five and a half thousand kilometers of driving. Actually, Dane, Dane was on that. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> and you just like we left Friday and we got home like probably four o'clock in the morning on Monday. And so you roll into work on Monday and you're like, "Hey, how was your weekend?" And you're like, "I just can't put it to words," you know. Um, and it's just like, how do you surround yourself with energy like that? You know, with with people that are willing to do that. Where it's like most people, when we told them we're doing that, they're like. Not interested, <laughs> you know, but like 100% of the people that came on that trip came back and was like, that was the best weekend of my life, <laughs> you know, and, and you kind of go to the end of like your life and you're 80 years old. and You're like, am I going to regret driving to Mexico to get tacos? Probably not, you know, yeah. as opposed to what? Chilling at home and watching Netflix or yeah. So yeah, the Morocco trip started off um, and it was just like start in Marrakesh, drive all the way across Morocco, get out to the biggest sand dune. Um, in Morocco, come all the way back and then get all the way out to the coast. Um, but it was cool because one of the big things that we always underpin all of our trips with is just genuine human connection, you know? So like you're spending six, seven hours in a van together, like that's six or seven hours that you can just chill out and hang out or that's six or seven hours that you can find the space to get to know and connect with other people. Um, and so it ended up being this like just really cool space created in the vans between 14, 15 people where they're just sitting there and for like three, four five, six hours, you're just having conversations about all the stuff that kind of goes on in the back of the mind, but nobody ever finds the space to do. Um, and done so all around uh, New Year's, which is just normally a time where everybody dives into resolutions and all that stuff. Um, but it was just really cool to watch people open up and you just realize that like, So many people have so much life inside of them um, and just don't have the outlet and the support to put it out there. Um, And so it's cool. We spent the last three days of the trip out in a little surf town on the coast. um, And those three days were just built around a workshop of just diving into the shit that you actually want in life. Um, And not in a fluffy, like, let's go, let's like put it out there and not actually chase it away, but like what's actually going to make the shift. For you to become the person that you know is sitting in here but isn't isn't out there
0: yeah so i have a few follow-up questions from that um one so uh, why do you think that just travel and an experience like that um just getting people together is such a good gateway to invite that openness and that connection between people i mean in a in a situation like hiking up to everest you know you get a lot of struggle and a lot of opportunities for people to connect based on that hike but in something like morocco where you know maybe you don't have such a large end goal of getting to this this mountain and base camp you know how do you why is that such a good outlet or avenue for people to make those connections
1: yeah it's interesting um I think a lot about that question. Right. And then I just go back to just how humans actually operate, you know, and for like, we all kind of have to admit it, that life, no matter where we're at physically is pretty easy. You know, like most of us have a roof over our head, food in our fridge, access to clean water. And for the most part, we're pretty warm and cozy and taken care of, you know, and, so when you look at like the evolution of a human, it's like up until the 19th century, we struggled for that stuff. And now we live in this world where all of that's just taken care of. And so we all the mechanisms that reward us internally for like chasing out that stuff, we never use, you know? Um, and it's no different than when you go to the gym and you have a really good workout and you feel good after, you know? Like we have all these, biological processes inside of our body that reward us for doing the things that will keep us alive. Um, And then when you look at like our day to day, like most of us never create those spaces for that stuff to actually get used. Um, And so it's cool. Like I think the thing that I've always loved about travel is that like it rips you out of your routine and you're forced to pay attention in a way that you never have to day to day. And you're ripped of all the distractions that you have because you're in an environment that's not yours. And so when you take somebody in are present and they're there and they're not distracted by a million other things, pulling them in a different direction, they essentially just can show up as the person that they are without needing to run away. And so it's in that space um, that I think a lot of really cool stuff happens as far as showing up as the person you actually are and connecting with people as that. Um, And so there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in our head that I think keeps us kind of sheltered from who we actually are, you know. Um, And just we live in a world that's noisier and more distracted than ever before. And so if you never find ways to break those patterns, you just never actually have enough energy internally to kind of put out into the world who you actually want to.
0: So what would be some good or some easier ways to maybe – invite those into your life for someone who maybe they're in a nine to five job and they like it and they want to stay in that and, you know, maybe they only get two or three weeks of vacation a year so they can't go on big trips or, you know, they just kind of caught up in the life, but they don't necessarily mind it, but they want to invite some of these different avenues and ways to explore that. Like what would be some good everyday type of things that you could do?
1: Yeah. It's, it's cool that you say that, man. Cause I think like right now there's this like, mm-hmm. Very subtle hate on the nine to five, you know, where it's like, oh, you should be like, you should have more freedom in your life. And the truth is, like, there's a lot of really happy people in the nine to five that should never leave that, you know, like, you don't have to worry about where your money is coming from. You have job security and you have a consistent schedule that keeps most people super happy. Um, so I think the first thing to, like, always start with is, like, what do you actually want in your life and are you there? You know, and like I have a couple some of my best friends are... um Work in the corporate world and they love it. You know, like Monday to Friday, they just smash the corporate world and go to the gym. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're out in the mountains having more fun than I have almost any day of my life. (laughs) Um, And I think it's really cool because when I ask them, like, what they're doing, they're doing exactly what they want to do and they're doing it because they love it, you know? And I think that's the thing is like, if you don't know what it is exactly you want to do, you have the biggest obligation to yourself. To do the work to figure it out, you know, and that's the only space that I ever get frustrated in is when somebody's like, "I don't know what I want to do," and I'm not doing anything to figure it out, <laughs> you know, because you can't play with that, you know. Um, so if you're stuck in that space where you don't know, it's you have an obligation to both your present self and your future self, just to get insanely curious and to go meet people, to try things out, to push yourself to step out of what feels comfortable and step out of what feels normal. Um, and then once you have it, it's like, once you figure out what that is, um, it's really just asking yourself the question, like, how do I get that in microdoses? You know? So it's like, if you do have three weeks of vacation a year, that's totally cool. You know, like, sure. Make, make those three weeks, whatever you want them to be, but you also have 52 weekends, you know, and, and, as driving to Mexico taught me, you can do a lot of stuff in a weekend, you know? Um, And so it's kind of one of those things where I don't think we have enough onus to ourselves to build the lives we want, you know? Um, And I'm super guilty of that. Like, if I don't plan a weekend in advance, I literally will wake up Saturday and I'll just, by the time I know it, it's 4 p.m. And I'm like, yeah, I did nothing today. Um, And then that rolls into Sunday. And then before you know it, Monday comes. And so it's really just like, doing the dirty work to get the end result you want. There's a really cool quote that I live by and it's um, nobody likes to write, but everybody wish they had written. Um, and it's like in the process, nobody wants to have done the thing, but when you're looking back on it, everybody wants to have had the notoriety to say they did it. You know? And I always think about that where I'm like, do I really want to go get cold and go camping this weekend? I'm like sitting here in my couch. I'm like, Nope. But I'm like, when I look back on the weekend, is that something I am going to want to have done? And if the answer is yes, then you just stop thinking about it and go do it. And once that momentum kicks in, um, I find it's generally pretty easy to just keep rolling forward.
0: Yeah, it's often just getting started with something like that, which is the hardest. And you mentioned writing. I mean, just writing a blog post or anything like that, you don't really want to write, but then you sit down and five minutes of writing, then it's effortless. And yeah. just it's just getting that initial spark, that initial just, all right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to start writing. And yeah, just making that first first step happen. And then after that, it's usually just like, oh yeah, why, what was I so worried about? Like, this isn't that difficult. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. So like, what other ways do you, is there any like mental, not tricks, but maybe mental um, tips or anything that you have kind of implemented in your life if you do kind of sense that like, I know I should be doing this. I know I would like to get this done today, but I'm kind of battling with myself. And like, if I just do this, I know I'll kind of get that ball rolling.
1: Yeah. The biggest, the biggest one goes back to people, you know, like, so for example, I don't like getting up early. Um, I just, I'm a night owl, you know, I'll stay up till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, but I absolutely love the feeling of having gotten up early And how productive I am in the morning. And it's like one of those things that when I'm solo by myself, getting up early is just always a grind. But when I rely on other people who find it effortless, um, it's so easy for me to stay accountable to them. You know, so like I'll take my training partner at the gym and I'll make sure there's somebody that gets up at five o'clock in the morning and loves it. And then I'm now socially obligated to them to get up. You know, so it's no longer a war of me against myself. It's a war of me staying true to my commitment to another person. Or, for example, like if you're somebody that thinks they want to get outside but always struggles to do it, go make friends with two or three people who always find it effortless and they desire to get out there so bad that they just are always out there and then commit to them. You know, no longer is it like you having to pump yourself up to get out there you're just having to stay true to your commitment to another person, which we're so much more wired to do. So it's really, yeah, just, I think that's the big thing that we don't spend enough time on is like, who are the people we're surrounding ourselves with and are they gonna help us become who we wanna become or are they gonna help us, or are they gonna hinder us from getting there? And the hard truth is that if they're not gonna help you get there, then they're probably not people you want in your life, right? But we, we're almost afraid to go in there. That doesn't mean they're not nice. That doesn't mean they're not good people. Um, it just means that they're not super aligned with you.
0: Yeah. That's interesting that you are not like a morning person. I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I'm, I can stay up till two, three every night doing work, but man, waking up at four thirty sounds just brutal to me. So like, yeah, how did you like, that's a huge way to get out of your comfort zone, I guess, waking up early and you had the connection with, um, your co-founder at, what's his name? Is it, um, Gordon, Gordon. And um, so, yeah, I guess, like, can you tell me a little bit more about those first, like, 21 days when you were waking up and, like, making that realization, like, hey, this is something that even though I'm a night owl and I like staying up late, like, I think I could implement this schedule into my life?
1: Yeah, it was cool. Like, that, that experience for me, like, solidified a lot of what I want for my life, you know, where it's, like, I don't like getting up early but I like what doing that has brought me, you know, in the sense of like, I don't necessarily like going to work, but I love what going to work brings me. Um, And it taught me to really separate the feelings I have around doing the work and realizing that almost all good things in life come on the other end of difficult things, you know, and so it was cool because for the first 21 days when we were getting up, It's like I would get up some mornings and I'd have no problem and he'd still sleep in. So like 4.31, I'd be over at his door. We lived together um, and I'd just be knocking on the door. And it's like, cool, man, your turn to get up. You know, in the days that I slept in, he'd be on my door and be like, yo, man, time to get up. And you just realize that like we're so pushed this individual narrative that it's like we got to do it all alone, that it's actually became a point of shame to ask for help from other people. Um, and that was just one of the craziest things for me is like, I'm a pretty, um, go person. And I just realized like how much shame I had around being willing to ask others for help in areas that I didn't succeed in. Um, but how much easier life gets when you're just willing to go and do that and ask other people. And then of course it works phenomenally well when you're willing to reciprocate that in the spaces that you excel. You know, and you start to build a good enough group of people that all excel in different areas, and all of a sudden, together, you guys can do so much more than any single individual could have done on their own.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. It's kind of like the individual, doing it all on your own is almost romanticized in a way, like, oh, uh, or Absolutely, like, hear, like, self-made millionaire, it's like, no one is a self-made millionaire, no one's self-made anything. Like, at some point, there's someone along the line who's helped you, or you've had to lean on for help, or... So
1: <laughs> Yeah, even even when you look at the way we romanticize like people that build companies, where you're looking at someone like Elon Musk. And it's like we look at it as like Elon Musk is doing this, but no one sits there and adds the very, very important piece of Elon Musk and his twenty thousand employees. You know, like it's it's <laughs> not this one dude that's shifting cars and space. It's like he's literally got an army of people that believe in what he's doing. Um, and so it's interesting because That was a huge growth point for me, like even with Chasing Sunrise, as far as like building something that extends beyond myself, like at some point, you have to ask yourself, like, do I want this to be like a solo thing, in which case, I'm in control of it all, I'm responsible for it all, and it'll only ever be as big as I am? Or are you willing to like, let go, let other people in, give up some of the control, but start to build something that other people can contribute, and it's bigger than yourself, you know? Um, and I feel like just the way we're the way that the self individual is proponentized right now, in the sense that we idolize them. So many of us don't realize how much power is in that, like letting go and being able to work and play with other people. And that that's really where I think like you're starting to see this with the internet um, and social, where you're having these groups of people come together, where it's no single individual person is leading. But there's massive groups of people leading certain belief sets. And overnight, they're toppling just some of the longest-held cultural beliefs, right? You see that with feminism. You see that across the board in all these different areas. And it's just another knock or another point to just how powerful humans are.
0: Yeah. Is chasing sunrise the first major thing you've kind of had to do that to like let control, let go of control and let other people into it and kind of spread the responsibility. Is that kind of the first major test you've had with doing that?
1: Yeah, I would say, yeah, I had a company when I was 19, um, but it was predominantly solo. You know, I had employees, but it was predominantly my thoughts and my vision. Um, And so chasing sunrise, just, it's been a crazy amount of growth to get to the point where it's like, it was big enough that I couldn't, there was no way I could hold on to it all. Um, and it just basically came to this point that it's like, if you hold on to it, you'll kill it. And probably yourself in the process, or you let go and just trust that this is where good stuff happens, you know? Um, and it's crazy because the second I made that choice to do that, it's like all these people started to come out of nowhere and are like, I believe in what you're doing. I want to help, you know? And and you just realize, I think that's been one of the most powerful things about like putting out to the world what you think is you realize that so many of us are on the same page.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I had, uh, I've had someone else on the podcast use that exact expression, kind of putting out into the world, what you want and having it work for you in a way. That's fascinating actually. Um, but yeah, so other than, other than kind of letting go of some control and allowing other people to help, what are some other major lessons that you've learned through this chasing sunrise journey?
1: Oh man, that's, that's a long (laughs) repertoire. Um, yeah, it's been it's been one of the craziest journeys just to realize like even for myself like I think anytime you go to build anything like you're literally putting yourself out to the world you know um, which I get why people don't do it it's scary as hell man you know and like so much love for guys like you even guys like Dane who just constantly throw themselves into the world and it's that like take me as me take take me as I am you know um, but it's cool because I've been doing it now for, yeah, three years. And I look back on those three years and no matter what I've been through, no matter like the bumps and stuff like that, like there's no part of me individually that would not want to have shown up that way. You know, like, and I think, I just think there's so much joy and happiness and so much grounding in showing up to the world as you are. You know, and and we're seeing this in so many different forms right now, Um, whether that be LGBTQ community, where for basically all of history, we're oppressed and you're seeing how much joy comes out of showing up as they are, Um, or you're seeing this in masculinity and feminism, where it's like the world just wants to be what it truly is. Um, And it's been really cool for me as somebody who's building something to go through that and have this mechanism that asks me every day like are you showing up as you want to or are you trying to be somebody else and then to be surrounded by people like I wish more more people had that chance to have that mirror that said that's it's one of the toughest kind of conversations I continuously have but you just sit at the end of it and you're so so grounded to it um that yeah, you just end up starting to make decisions in your life that just seem so much easier than the decisions you were trying to make when you were 21, 22 that were likely for other people and not for yourself, you know? So, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned. Um, and then the second one is just, like, how, how much people want to help, you know? That's kind of going back to that control thing. Um, the more you let go of that and the more you empower other people, the more you realize, like, as a group of people, most of us just want the same thing. Um, And that as Chasing Sunrise has grown, it's become more and more of a platform for other people to build within rather than us building. Um, And that actually is what gets me most stoked for the next little bit is like, how do you build something that lets other people come into and build what they want, all done so in a way that it's still aligned with the reason why we started it.
0: Is that... So have as you've grown and had more people come in, has that, um, has that have you think that's been harder to control, or has it just kind of taken a life of its own? And since you kind of laid down the the framework and that initial road, I guess has just kind of built off of that. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think we're still definitely in in that process. You know, it's still super early days. Um, so it hasn't it hasn't moved as much as it will in the future, you know, but I think a lot of that early on was really us being like, just trying to wrap our heads around what this thing is. And it's cool because the more grounded the team gets in why it exists, and that's literally to facilitate humans becoming who they are, um, the easier it gets for us to step back and say, cool, like, for this person over here, that's this bubble. For somebody over here, that's about health and fitness. And for it to take multiple lives of its own while all staying true to the reason why it was founded in the first place. And so I think I'm really excited for the next kind of 18 to 24 months where I think that foundation is almost done being laid. And from there, it's just starting to build it up, connect with the people, put ourselves out there continuously um, and continue to learn.
0: Cool. So where are some of the other places that Chasing Sunrise has taken you? We mentioned Nepal and Morocco. Um, yeah, where are some of the other places taken you and do any stand out as being highly influential, whether in your own personal life or in the life of the business?
1: Yeah, it was cool. I think one of the best trips we've ever done for me personally was we actually did a trip or um, we just jumped on a plane on Friday and flew to a place called the Yukon, which is in northern Canada. Um, and the whole premise of the trip was to go catch, uh, the Aurora's, um, which I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're literally magic. Like you, you're watching them and you just don't understand what is going on. And like, yes, we can scientifically explain it, but you're just sitting there and it just, it's hard to, for your brain to wrap, um, around what's actually going on. And it was cool because that trip was one, of, another one of those things where it's like, it's two hours from Vancouver. You can literally do it in a weekend and you can do it almost any weekend, you know? And it was just another one of those ones where you're surrounded by good people and you're up there and you're just like, none of this is hard. So why don't we do it? You know, like, why don't we do more of that stuff? And so just coming back from the trip there and just wanting to like almost craving as many as those simple experiences. Um, Cause I think a lot of the times we put, like those heightened experiences that we want at the end of our lives way out of reach when really they're really simple, you know? And I think, I think so many of us give up so much power, um, every single day of our lives where it's like, if you're living in the modern world and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a lot more choice than you think you do, you know? And it's like, the truth is you probably could quit your job, and run away. You know, like go travel. Like if that's if that's what you truly absolutely wanted, you could do it. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you might not want to. You know, you might have a family here, you might love your career, you might have bigger ambitions for who you are. But don't deny the fact that those are all choices because when you deny the fact that those are choices, you're giving up the power that is rightfully yours. Um and just seeing how easy that trip was and watching how much just how stoked everyone was coming home. It made me realize that there was so much power in holding on to that choice of my own and just starting to like, look at it. I'm like, well, where else can I go in a weekend? You know? And obviously there's this thing called money that comes up all the time. And we're always like, how do people afford to travel? And it's like, the truth is a lot of travel doesn't have to be expensive. You know, like you put five people in a car and drive to drive for 10 hours per weekend. Um, and come back, you're only spending a small amount of money in gas, you know, and it's, it's cool. It really taught me that most of life is really just the mindset that you go chase it with rather than the actual things you do, you know? Um, and I think that's, we're going back full circle to our conversation about influencing. Those are the stories that we skip out on, you know, all we see is the dude or the girl in the really cool spot, but nobody's explaining like how they got here. Um, and I just remember one time I read this post by Chris Burkard, and it will forever sit with me where at that, it was probably like five years ago. And at that point he was still one of the world's top, um, photographers, um, and influencers, but he fast rewinds like 11 years ago, how he's like, I was doing the same thing those days as I'm doing right now. The only difference was that I wasn't getting paid for them. And I had to do 100% of the work myself. (laughs) And he's like, but I did it because that's what I wanted to do, you know? And he's like, if you only want to do something when you're at the top of the game and getting paid for it, you probably don't really want to do it. Yeah. Um, And it just kind of hit me where it's like, what are those things that I want to go do, irrespective of if somebody's watching, irrespective of if I'm getting paid for it, irrespective of if somebody else is joining me, you know, when you have the courage to say that's what I want to do, even if I have to do it alone, you know that you're probably pretty damn close to where you should be.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. I was going to ask, like, how could you maybe start to realize what it is you actually want? And I think you just answered that in the last sentence of that is, you know, what would you want to do if money wasn't an issue or it didn't matter if you weren't getting paid or if you had to do it alone? I think that's a really good place to start and identifying those things that. You know, this isn't something that I want to do because of what it's going to get me, but I like it simply because of the activity. I think that's pro- probably a really good place to start and a good thing yeah, Good thing to ask yourself. Um, yeah, and
1: especially nowadays where it's like we're so herded into like a small number of things where it's like everyone thinks they want to go be a travel blogger because everybody else is a travel blogger, you know? Um, but it's like the truth is, is that you got to explore those things for yourself and you have to be willing to do things that nobody else is doing, you know? And there's, there's a hilarious quote from Kanye West of all people. And it was like 2004 and he's blowing up and everybody's copying his style. And he's just like, man, these guys got it all wrong. They're trying to do soul beats in 2004 because I was doing soul beats in 1995. And he's like, these guys got to be building their own thing that makes Kanye West, Kanye West. So that's what's going to make them themselves, you know, and, and we see that so much nowadays where it's, we live in this copycat society because you see something and you're like, I'm going to go do that. And there's very few people that have the courage to just go do their own thing on their own. Um, but the truth is that's where all the good stuff is. And that's the only stuff that's ever going to actually make somebody fulfilled on the inside.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to, to do that, to examine yourself and to go your own way for sure. And, and, um, I I think it's on your your website page where you say like you know I'm I'm grateful if I've inspired you but don't try to be me go out and be yourself and be very good at being yourself um, and you know with that with trying to be yourself it it's gonna take a little bit of trial and error probably if you think this is something you want whether that's to be a travel blogger or start your own company it may not be the case once you've already started but. I don't know. I guess, have you ever thought of something that like, you know, I think I want to do this and you've pursued that. And then down the road you've realized, dang, you know, maybe this isn't actually what I wanted.
1: Oh man, that's all the time. Like, I I think that's part of the reason where that I am in a place that I'm comfortable in, you know, and I like, if someone asked me to switch what I'm doing in my life right now, I wouldn't, you know, and it has nothing to do with money and has everything to do with, I'm just on a gut level where I want to be. Um, but a lot of that goes back to when I was 19 and in engineering and it was just like, I thought I wanted to do that, you know, and it just, it turns out I didn't. And I have no doubt that if my mom in that conversation would have been like, no, you got to stick this with it. I would have been a totally different person. And I probably wouldn't have been as aligned as happy as I am. Um, And it was cool because that was the point that I realized that like, because she gave me permission at that point, um, I was allowed to give myself permission. And I think that's something that we all have to kind of do a gut check with is like, are we giving ourselves internal permission to do what we want, you know? And the cool part is is that a lot of the times it doesn't have to be publicly, you know, like it's amazing to run into people that are like, oh, I want to be a singer. And then you ask them whether they even sing to themselves and they're like, no, 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 I can't do that. And it's like, well, if you, can't, if you can't give yourself permission to sing in a room with nobody else around you, there's no way you're going to give yourself permission to step out on a stage in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people and sing, you know? Um, and I think a lot of getting to a life that somebody is actually engaged in is that permission with themselves, you know? Um, and it's, it's actually not just doing the work, but shipping the work and shipping the work doesn't have to be out to the world, but make sure it's done and like actually be willing to do the work. Cause if you're not willing to do the work and you're not willing to give yourself permission to play in that area and screw up and kind of get dirty, the truth is you're going to live your entire life as a pipe dream where it's like, Oh, one day I'll get to that. One day I'll get to that. One day I'll get to that. And then you get to the end of it and you go, Oh shit, I didn't do it. Right. And that's, you just look at the numbers, It's like 85% of people that are lying on their deathbed. Number one regret is that they weren't true to themselves. You know, like that, that was the number for me where I'm like, cool, this, this shit matters.
0: Yeah. That's powerful. Those 85% of people, if they're saying that, like, you know, it's beyond just status and money and and all that, at least for not everyone, but you know, uh, just to identify that, you know, that's, to be able to do that at a younger age, um, you know, I think that's that's powerful and very cool. Um, and so part of this is definitely um, comfort zone type stuff. You know, it's easier to copy someone because you already know what to do. Oh, they're doing this, so I need to do that. You know, I don't have to ask myself the hard questions. I don't have to go out and do the activities that are difficult and new to me and are going to push me into a place where I've never been. And that can be scary and challenging to do from where you are right now. Um and you I think it was yesterday or two days ago you tweeted out or not tweeted, um, put something on Instagram, some quote that said, Your comfort zone will kill you. And you added it won't immediately, but eventually you'll kinda realize how always playing it safe will hurt you and kill you in a different sort of way. Um can you explain a little bit more about like this quote and what it means to you and uh, maybe an example in your own life or in the business of not playing it safe and kind of going after that, even though it was outside of what you were comfortable with.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's cool. Cause I think I just always, I always try and find those little things that like resonate with me on like a gut level. And it's like the one, the one about the comfort zone, like you hear it so much that it's almost just become background noise, you know, like, okay, cool. Get out of your comfort zone, da, 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 you know, like, to the point that you just don't even pay attention to it. But when you wind back to why it is so ubiquitous, it's like the reason why it's everywhere is because it's fucking true. So, how do I, as an individual, remind myself of that as much as I can? You know, and whether that be through having like things like that that I'm constantly putting up there, part of it is through publishing things like that publicly because. You put it out there and now someone can hold that up against it and be like, hey, I thought you were that. I thought you cared about this stuff, you know, Um, and then bringing it right back down to the daily um, of our lives where it's like stepping out of my comfort zone feels really bad right now. So I'm probably not going to do it. But when I go to my future self and I look and I'm like, I look back on my life and I'm like, Oh, I lived a life where I didn't actually do anything. I didn't step out. I didn't grow. I'm like, that pisses me off. You know, like if I'm 80 years old, looking back at that and I'm like, Oh, I wanted to start a company, but I was afraid. So I didn't, I'd be pissed at myself, you know? So it's how do you, in this moment where it feels bad, remind yourself that it's going to feel way worse down the road. Um, And you just realize that that's like a flaw of human biology in the sense that like, We eat things that taste really good today and make us feel really bad tomorrow, you know, and we are not willing to do the hard work today that's going to make our life easier tomorrow. Um, And so I spend a lot of my time trying to figure that out for little hacks for myself to just always remind me to do the harder things today that I know future me is going to love me for doing. And so I do that in just a myriad of ways. Like I just always write things down on post notes and leave them by my desk. Um, I took this little concept from a guy named David Goggins called the cookie jar. And it's like, every time you go through one of those moments where it's difficult and tough, but it ends up working out in your favor, like write it down and remember it, you know? And then the next time you're sitting there and you're like, should I go do this thing? And you know that it's fear holding you back, you can step back into yourself. And it's like, well, six months ago, you're in the same position. How did that work out for you? And you're like, cool, I'm doing it. You know, um, because we're wired as humans to be risk averse, right? Like we want to stay in our little cozy, comfortable cave in the moment. Um, And it kills you, you know? Um, And with all that, I always have a caveat of like, if you know that's exactly where you want to be, then just chill there, you know? Um, But I deeply believe for most of my conversations with people that most of us want to continue growing um, and want to continue pushing ourselves out there. So... Yeah. I think it really starts internally with like a commitment to deeply want that, even though it's uncomfortable. Um, and the truth is is if you're not willing to like show up and want it, it's probably never going to happen, you know, and you are better off admitting that to yourself today and now rather than getting slapped in the face of it when you're 50, 60 or 70 and don't have the energy or time to go change it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, to go back to the earlier part of your answer, like, that's my whole site and podcast is basically the name is around a cliche you know your comfort zone edge of comfort get out of your comfort zone and it is it's it is a cliche and it does kind of get just like droned out because you hear it so much but it is true and it is you just have to look at it in different ways and really examine the cliche in a way so totally um and um shit, we can talk about David Goggins for hours that <laughs> that's yeah. incredible um but so yeah so what are some of the smaller ways like i think when people think of like getting out of their comfort zone you know they think okay well i'm afraid of heights so i'm going to go skydiving or you know these really big kind of just like giant things that we need to do to get out of our comfort zone which is definitely one way to do it but isn't you know readily accessible every day of our lives so what are some of the smaller ways like day-to-day you mentioned like do the hard things today you know what are some other small decisions or activities or tasks that you really try to focus on and and make a part of your of your days in order to continuously expand that comfort zone you know whether it's by 0.01 percent or 10 percent you know what are those those small daily type activities
1: yeah it's it's cool like Lately, I've been really playing with intention, you know, Um, and you hear that's like living your life with intention. But it's like, what does that actually mean? You know, and so in the last kind of three months, I've really drilled down to like, there's certain themes in my life that I know I want and I know that make me happier, you know, like, so when I'm connected to people, I'm just a better human, you know, but then I'm sitting here and I have my friends around me and I have my phone in my pocket and I'm sitting there and I'm on my phone and my friends are around me. And I'm like, that's not what I want, but it's what in the moment, what I think I want. Um, And so for the last little bit, I've been playing with just setting up like monthly themes. So it's like for the next 30 days, my like macro intention is going to be connecting with the people that are actually around me, you know, and then every single day I actually get a text message um, that I've set up that asks me what I'm going to do that day to align with that bigger intention. You know, and so it's like, it'll just be this morning, like it was, um, when people are around me, I won't be on my phone, you know? And that was just a super binary thing where it's like, if somebody's around me and I'm on my phone, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm failing. Um, and it's cool. So I set up things like that almost on a daily basis and I don't try and do the work. Like I don't try and do a bunch of them. There's always just like a single one. And so there, um, sometimes like last month was health and fitness. And so the big thing I wanted to focus on one day was just breathing. And so like every time throughout the day I reminded myself, or I remember this intention, it was like, stop, take three breaths. Um, and none of, they were all those things that are like so stupid simple that you'd almost discount them. Um, but really it was like the magic came looking back in the month at how like all these tiny little things over the course of a month shifted the way I looked at my life. Um, And the best analogy that I could come up to was with like food, where it's like if you eat three times a day for 30 days, you've eaten a total of 90 meals. You know, like if you skip one meal here or there, it's not a big deal. But if you skip 45 meals over that month, you're probably going to go starving, you know? (laughs) And I really think that's just like the perfect metaphor for life where like we're looking for these big, grandiose things that are going to like immediately shift the needle for us. And it's like, the truth is, life is just a series of really small decisions. Um, And so I'm constantly, without exhausting myself, looking for those little ways that I can make the decision that nudges myself closer in the direction that I want to go. And I almost always look for it to be in a way that's so stupidly simple um, you can't not do it. So I have this thing that I do, and it's just like the one push-up challenge. You know, like if everyone's sitting there and they're like, "I want you to do a hundred push-ups a day," like <laughs> I want you to do one. Um, the truth is, if you do one push-up a day every day for a year, you've done more push-ups than most people. <laughs> um, but the cool part is, is that I've almost never found it where like I get down there, do one, and stop. You know, you're like, well, I'm down here. I'll do five. Maybe I'll do ten. Maybe I'll do fifteen. You know, um. And just getting into that habit of doing a single one has gotten me into a habit of doing dozens and dozens and dozens every single day. And none of them felt like a lot of work in the moment, but added up over the course of the year, it's thousands of them, you know? And so I'm always looking for like those little tiny simple ways that are almost so simple that they sound stupid (laughs) until you watch them add up at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. It kind of, like, it seems like this long-term view that you've, maybe if you've always had or been able to adopt, like, has really had a big impact on just your life and your business and everything, and I think that is definitely a view that, for myself, I've been trying to incorporate more into looking at things in the bigger picture and and that long-term, like, whether it's when you're 80 years old and looking back or whether it's a 10-year plan, um, just understanding, like, Today, I'm just going to do what I can to improve however marginally much that is. But over 90 days, over one year, over two, three, four, however many years, that's going to be huge. And that's it's kind of hard to take. I th- maybe you can expand on this a little bit better. Are we wired to think short term? Is that just kind of how the human brain thinks, like immediacy and instant gratification, and I need to do this now to get rid of this feeling I'm having? Or like how have you been able to really make this long-term view maybe like the um, the fallback for you.
1: Yeah, that's it's cool man cuz like when you when you look at like the neuroscience of it, we're absolutely wired for the short term. You know, like for for millions of years as we evolved, like you didn't actually care what was happening 10 years down the road. You know, like we were nomadic, we moved around, none of that was relevant. What mattered is that you had food clothing and shelter in that immediate vicinity for a very short period of time. And then you'd move and find a new one. Um, and so we're actually biased for that immediate gratification, you know? Um, but then we have these beautiful things inside of our heads called the prefrontal cortex, which is the later stage evolution of the brain. And it's like, that's the thing that lets us stop and think and plan and have dreams beyond ourselves, you know? Um, and so it's cool where it's like, how do you get in there? Like I pay attention a lot to craving. Um, so it's like, am I just craving this in the moment or do I actually want to need it? You know, and I think about that with the diet all the time, like the amount of times like I'm sitting there and it's like, I see a cookie and I'm like, I need that cookie. And you're just like, you don't need it. You want it, you know? And and there's a really cool space in there to like, you're allowed to want things and they do taste delicious and they're awesome. But over time, not paying attention to that. And if all you do is give into that craving again and again and again, like you probably will rob yourself of the really good stuff outside of not having that cookie, you know? Um, And so for me, it's a lot of the time paying attention to those short-term cravings. Um, And really it comes down to self-awareness. You know, like I think self-awareness is the tool of the future. I think it's the tool that will help everybody get to a place that they're living a better life for themselves. Um, And I think it's really the mechanism that is going to push all of us to start to actually respect other people and their own choices. Because when you understand that you have your own personal preferences and biases, and you're aware that you have those, it becomes a lot easier to accept somebody else and the fact that they have them. and so for me, like, it's really, where am I being self-aware? Where am I not being self-aware? Um, and then trying to surround myself with other people who can act as mirrors, you know, because it's it's one thing to say that I do all this stuff. It's another thing to actively have somebody outside watching me, calling me out on my immense amount of bullshit that pops up here and there, you know, um, and that goes back to the people that you surround yourself with, you know, like you can either have people that build you up or they break you down, you know? And that's why guys for me, like Dane, who like are so switched on as far as like health goes and as far as maximizing who he is, like, I can't help, but like be around him and be like, cool, I'm going to be a little bit more like that. Um, and for him from the outside, it seems effortless. So for me, it pushes me more in that direction. And that's the direction that I know I actually want to go in, you know? Um, and I feel like that with, uh, entrepreneurship, like there's so many days that I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to go to work. You know, like I just, I don't want to think I'd so much rather just quit and go do something easy. And then I go talk to one of my buddies who's a little bit further along and he's just like, Oh, it gets so much better, like so much better down. And I'm just like, cool, I'm going to go do the work. you know. And so I really do think that like self-awareness and having other people that can hold you accountable to that self-awareness really is this mechanism That over the course of a lifetime adds up to a good life.
0: Yeah, that is definitely something that I'm trying to improve on as well and agree that, like, you know, more people need to make that a focus and kind of developing that. And especially with the number of distractions we have nowadays. You know, 20 years ago, it wasn't even close to this. And now it's probably in this conversation we've each gotten a bunch of texts and notifications and whatever on our phone and um, so I guess what are some ways that you either at least at the beginning helped you to start kind of develop that self-awareness and maybe further down the road when you felt like you were improving on that kind of helped push you along and kind of take you to the next level Um, you mentioned other people and who will hold you accountable and call you out Um, but other than that what are some some ways that maybe someone could get started with today or tomorrow or this week.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Like, um, like there's one truth about all this that I don't think a lot of people want to face. And it's like, you got to do the work, you know, like most people are literally in a car driving aimlessly with no headlights on in the dark, hoping they get to the nicest beach in the world, you know? And it's, and it's the truth is like the odds are, if you're driving around with no directions and no idea where you're going, the odds are you're not going to end up somewhere nice, you know? Um, and I just always use that as a metaphor in life of like, I may not know exactly where I'm going, but I'm constantly trying to get a better idea of where that might be, you know? And, and it can be super simple as like waking up in the morning and being like, what do I want this day to be? You know, like, I think, I think we so often forget that we have a choice in that. When you wake up in the morning where it's like, you get a choice in how your day goes. And that doesn't mean it's always gonna go as planned, but I'll tell you that you have a much better chance of it going a way you want it to go if you know what way you want it to go, (laughs) you know? And it's it's like the truth is most of us just get up and it's like coffee on and then on with our lives. Um, And at no point do we stop even for a second to figure out where we might be going. And then the same thing at the end of the day, you know, like I go to bed and it's like, you're lying there and you're like, cool. What were some of my favorite moments from today? And it was like, I was skateboarding around the office, like inside. And I was like, that was fun. You know, like, and I was just playing and I'm like, okay, cool. Play, play the cool thing that I want more of in my day, you know, and you don't have to write them down, but even just that, like that took me less than four seconds to stop (laughs) and do that. Um, just that process of like bookending your day and like asking the questions of like, what do I want um, on a frequent basis actually will help you sort it out. And I always do recommend that somebody writes it down because really quickly you'll see that there's probably five or six things coming up again and again and again and again. Um, and you start to realize like, if you see that, the best moments in your day are when you actually have like a good conversation with someone, guess what? One of the things that you value really high is human connection, which means that you probably should focus on getting that in your life. Um, And I just think that like those really simple things we just avoid doing. um, I don't have a good answer on why we avoid doing them so much because for me, I'm like, they're everything. They get you to everything you actually want in life you know, and they don't take a lot of work. Um, but the thing that I do come up to again and again is that if you don't do that work, you never actually have to put who you are out to the world, which means you almost kind of protect a part of yourself, um, from the world rejecting it, you know? Um, and that's why I have so much respect for like guys like you, anyone that's putting themselves out there truly as they are. Cause it's like, that's the most vulnerable place you can be, you know? Um, And so I think vulnerability actually has a really big piece in this um, because in order to be self-aware, you have to be honest with yourself. And in order to be honest with yourself, you have to be open and vulnerable. Um, And it's cool because I think in the last probably five to eight years, um, women like Brene Brown have done just such phenomenal work in this space. Um, And she's written, I think, four or five books now, done one of the most Um, viewed TED Talks in history um, of this space. And you are just, so we're starting to get that out there. And when you read David Goggins books, like all of it is this thing in masculinity and um, alphaism, but at the essence, it's like, he's being insanely vulnerable with himself and being insanely honest with himself. And so you're starting to see those narratives come through, which is the honest stories rather than just the kind of media show stories that we see. Um, see. So I think, yeah, I think if anyone's ever struggling with getting into that space, um, dive into the space of vulnerability for a little bit and ask ask yourself some questions about why you don't want to show up. Um, and then just get really curious about yourself, you know, like start every day and be like, what do I want from today? And close every day with be like, what was my favorite moments of those days and write them down and just do those two things for a month. Um, and the amount that I think someone can learn in that period is hopefully enough for them to actually realize that deep down they already kind of know what they want it's just a matter of like actually putting it out there you know
0: yeah yeah vulnerability is something that's been a uh, a common theme on this podcast with a lot of my guests and it's interesting you know to hear everyone's perspective on it and it's true it i mean i think that allows people to connect better like if you had no idea who you were and you went to your instagram page and read through five posts someone would probably feel like dang i feel like i kind of know this guy like or feel more open to like sending you a dm and be like hey you know this post really resonated with me like it's just the truth it's the honest and openness to that you're having with yourself and you're willing to share with the world and it's I mean, probably one of the most judgmental places, social media. Um, So, yeah, just to have that openness and vulnerability, you know, that's really, it's admirable. And I think inspiring for anyone to see, like, you can be that way, you can put it out there, and you'll still be okay. Um, And so one of the other things that you talk a lot about um, is kind of this idea of creativity and how you think that, like, kind of we all have an abundant resources of creativity and are able to pull from it anywhere. Um, I guess, could you just talk a little bit more about what creativity means to you and kind of how you've incorporated that into your life or um, just, like, made that a priority? Like, is that something you need to work at, do you think? Or is that something that just comes naturally to you now?
1: Yeah, I think... I think that's a cool thing. Like all this stuff I got to work at, you know? Um, and I think it's always one of those things that like the human brain just normalizes so quickly, you know, like if you're used to living off $500 a month, you get so used to living in that world. Um, and then you move that up to like a thousand dollars a month and really quickly you get used to that world. And then you move it up to 10,000 and really quickly, like, and that's, that's just, there's a word for it called hedonic adaptation, Um, And it's just that the human brain has the ability to normalize really, really quickly, you know? So it's like, it's almost one of those things where if you're chasing something, thinking it's going to make you happy and you're not happy where you're at, the odds are you're not going to be happy where you get to. Um, And so I think going back to that thing, like I just realized a long time ago for myself that there was no point that this was ever going to get easy um, Where it's like, I'm going to wake up one day and it's like effortless Um, and that if I don't fall in love with the process, I'm screwed. You know, like if I'm building chasing sunrise to get it to go somewhere and I'm only going to be happy when it's there, I'm a not going to have the motivation to really do the work today. I'm B probably going to fail because the odds of success are so small. And i I'm robbing myself of the actual joy, which is the building process, you know. Um, and I talked with a lot of people who want to start companies um, about that because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't fall in love with the process, it's so hard to keep yourself motivated throughout the process, right? Like if you hated doing podcasts and all you wanted was to have the fame of having a successful podcast the odds are you're going to fail because most of your work here is going to suck. But if you love doing podcasts and do it regardless of the outcome, you'll just dive into the flow of creating podcasts and podcasts and podcasts and then you become successful as a byproduct. Um, So I think that's like one thing on the work. Like if anyone ever expects the work to end, um, it's almost a fallacy. Um, But the cool part is that doesn't mean the work doesn't become fun. And that was a huge shift for me. Um, We're going back to like creativity and stuff like that. At some point I realized that the immense amount of weight that I put on myself to build these things was a mechanism I used to drive myself. And I robbed myself of all the fun, you know, like I'd be building chasing sunrise. I was like, this thing matters. Like I got to keep focused. I got it. (laughs) Like, and I'd get to the end of the day and I was like, God, that was such a grind. And I was just like, the hell am I doing man like this whole thing is what I say I want yet I'm beating myself up for it you know Um, and stepped back into this place and I'm like I want this thing to be fun and I want it to be play, you know Um, and I think you can make anything play like I deeply believe like with the right people in an open parking lot with nothing but rocks can still have (laughs) more fun than people on the beaches of Mexico with the wrong attitude you know Um, And that's just something I've seen so many times in my life. So it's when it it comes back to creativity, it's like, how do you stop judging yourself? You know, like creativity is inherently taking all these different dots that are seemingly unconnected and connecting them and creating something new. Um, But if you're judging yourself all along that way, you might see two things that make no sense, but you probably, if you're judging yourself, don't have the courage to put it out there, you know? Um and I always kind of just laugh at something like a spork. Um which is like so like, you know, like it's just one of those things and you're like, but it kind of makes sense, you know? Um but it took somebody a whole bunch of courage to take these seemingly disparate things and be like, let's just put them together. Um and there's countless examples of that, you know. Um and for everyone that makes it into the world and becomes something, um There's 10,000 that don't, you know? But if you aren't willing to play in that 10,000, you'll never find the one. And I think that's the coolest thing about the world we live in now. Like 20 years ago, if you had an idea, where would you put it? You know, like you'd have to like ask your same group of 10 people again and again and again. And at some point they're like, dude, I don't want to hear these ideas. (laughs) Um, But with things like the internet, like you can literally throw things out there all day long. Um, to different groups of people that might resonate with it and get feedback, you know? Um, Or it's like, if you're, if you love drawing, you can just take a picture of it and throw it online. And like, if nobody responds to it, it's like, okay, cool. That one wasn't that good. But maybe a few people are like, Hey, that was really cool. I love it. Oh, you draw. I want to draw with you, you know? And there's so many opportunities for those connections now. Um, But all of them, sit on the other side of that judgment of we have to be willing to in some ways put ourselves out there Um, and the degree in which we put ourselves up there is a personal preference you know like one of the reasons that I'm totally cool just putting whatever out in the world is like I want people to see that through me giving myself permission um, and to see me on the other side of that they can do it in their own right Um, but that doesn't have to be everyone you know like you can do stuff in your own little world and just share it with one or two friends. Um, Or you can share it completely anonymously to a world that has no idea it's you, you know? And there's so many examples of that, of people who wrote blogs anonymously for years and years and years. And then only after it's wildly successful, we're like, oh, it's this person over here, you know? Um, Cheryl Strayed was one of those where she wrote um, anonymously for a while. And you just, there's so many cool examples um which for me always comes back to like are we giving ourselves the permission to play and to show up and be creative um and that's where most of it stems because once you get to the point that you you're totally okay internally you can just start throwing stuff out to the world And like 90 percent of what i play with and create just falls on deaf ears and nobody cares but the cool part about when nobody cares is that nobody cares (laughs) you know like You do a post and nobody, nobody likes it. And you're like, cool. Nobody liked it. You know, that means it didn't bother anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so it's kind of that thing of like, how do you ship more than you think you should? Um, And how do you put yourselves out there and just, just a constant willingness to test and play with um, and realize that like that little thing in your back through the head that's telling you that it's going to be the end of you as a person (laughs) when nobody likes it, doesn't matter. You know, like that's, that's just literally a piece of your brain that is faulty wired to keep you alive a hundred thousand years ago when you lived in a tribe of a hundred people that if they didn't like you, you literally got banished, (laughs) you know? Um, And so we have all these like little things and it's, yeah, for me, I have so much fun in like trying to figure out what those things are where like I'll have, a trip that I'm really stoked on and I want to build. And I'm like, but I'm terrified to put this out to the world. Even though the last trip that is like this, like everybody loved it and they were so stoked on it. And you're just like, what is that? And I just realized that like all of that is my faulty wiring in my brain. And so life has now become this like game where it's psychological warfare against myself. (laughs) uh, This amazing book called uh, the war of art.
0: Oh,
1: I see Field who wrote Legend of Be- Beggar Vance and the whole thing is like the resistance, which is basically trying to rob you of everything you want to do with your life.
0: Yeah. That's a phenomenal book. Like, if, yeah. Um, yeah. And so to lead off that, I guess reading, I'm, I mean, based on what you said so far and some of the research I've done, it seems like has become a pretty big priority in your life. Um, I think one of your friends at one time you were asking, I forget what you were asking about, but he just told you like read more books. And you were like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Like, um, so can you kinda of talk to me a little bit more about the impact that reading has had on um your life and just kind of your mind and your thought process and everything?
1: Yeah, man. Um yeah, it's a simple backstory, like just talking to a buddy one day and I felt kind of stagnant in life and it was like he was pretty well put together. And we were just chatting, like, I'm stuck, like, I don't really know what to do. And he was just like, dude, read more books. And I was like, I was, like dude, that was a shitty answer, man. Like, <laughs> tell him, like, like, you know, give me something to do. And he, he just kind of looked at me and he's like, every single answer or question you have in life, somebody has had that question, went through the fire and wrote a book about it. He's like, if you're not willing to start there, you don't want that question answered bad enough. You know, and like I struggle with so many things in building a company and I sit here in my own little isolation. I'm like, how do I do this? And I'm like, guess what? I'm pretty sure somebody's written a book about building a company, you know, like um, and so when you start to like actually look at books, there's books for everything, you know, like like literally the weirdest things, there's books on um, and some of the biggest ones, like if you're struggling in life and you feel stuck, there's a huge volume of books right now about that exact problem you know and some of them you'll read and you'll be like yeah that sucks some of them you'll read and you'll be like that's my problem you know um and so I just started reading and I made a goal one one year to read a book a month which at the time seemed absolutely insurmountable um and now I read probably between 50 and 60 books a year minimum wow um, and it's cool because like I got, a, I got to a threshold between somewhere between twenty-four and thirty books. Where, like, when you're reading that many books, you can start to throw in books that make no sense because you're reading. And you know, like, if you're only reading three books a year, you're like, I need this book to matter. <laughs> um, but when you're when you're chewing through so many of them, um, you can start to throw in all these crazy books that I didn't think I would love. But then I ended up absolutely falling in love with. So I read this book one time about human genetics um, and I was like, whatever, I'll just, it it was a long book, super sciencey, didn't think I cared about it, fell in love with genetics and how they shape most of human behavior. Um, Or I read another book called Guns, Germs and Steel, which looks at the history of the world and up until that point, hated history. I was like, yeah, it's kind of boring. Let's focus on the future. Um, and all of a sudden I'm reading about this thing and I'm like, Oh my God, this is why consumerism exists today. Or this is why we're all chasing these little hearts on Instagram. And, and it just <laughs> like put all this stuff together. Um, and so it was cool because I ended up not reading physical books, but I started listening to audio Um, which what I noticed was that like I'd walk to work and that would be like a 15 minute walk, you know, and you're eventually getting to the point that you're listening to an audio book at twice the speed. And so you're listening to 30 minutes worth of a book on the way to work and 30 minutes on the way home. And just doing that, I was reading a book a week, you know, like it was that right. Um, If an average book is about seven hours long. Um, And it was super cool because I, there was a period there where I almost got addicted to reading books (laughs) because you just realized like the world is this insanely diverse place. Um, And that there's so many different opinions and so many different perspectives and viewpoints. And that so little of the dialogue nowadays has the depth needed to do any topic justice. Um, And so it was cool. Like I would start reading a book on a topic that was like one side of a political spectrum. And then I'd read the exact opposite spectrum. And you just realize I'm like, if I'm honest with myself, both these guys are right. Right. And And you just start to realize that we want things to be like well put together and orderly, and that life is this kind of like chaotic gray area everywhere in between. Um, but yeah, reading single handedly has had the biggest impact on my life. Um, there's been something like 108 billion people that have lived on planet Earth. Uh, <laughs> and we're that last 8 billion, you know? Uh, but for some reason, we discount everything that hundred billion people have ever learned and we're like oh shit i gotta go through this problem alone today and by (laughs) myself and figure it out on my own and it's just it's the quickest life hack where it's like any problem you're going through there is a book on it there's probably 10 and if you really don't have any money or don't want to spend the money you can torrent it for free you know like there's just um and with the audio book somebody was like but don't you like not pay attention when you're listening i'm like yeah sometimes you know like is sitting there and physically reading a book better? I, I get a lot more, but I'm like, I'd rather get 60% of 50 books than 100% of two. Yeah. You know? um, and if there's a book that's really, really, really good, I'll go back and read it. Um, and so it was that kind of thing where it's like, I just kind of got into it. And it, just, it is single-handedly the most impactful thing I think anybody can do, period um, to figure out any part of life, you know, like if I had any two things I could wish upon the world, it would be one self-awareness and two books. And the cool part is, is that if you have self-awareness, you learn everything you need to learn about yourself through books.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, do you have any examples of maybe one or two books that have had pretty big impact on you? Like, even to this day from when you first read them and to now that you really remember, maybe go back and reread a few times every year.
1: Yeah, there's, there's probably five or six that I read again and again and again. Um, One of the biggest books um, that impacted my life was uh, losing my virginity by Richard Branson. Um, And it was just, the way he viewed entrepreneurship as this like fun game that was an adventure, you know? Um, And that's not a book that I think everyone would get a lot out of, but I think those, like if you read it and you vibe with it, it's like, you're probably meant to build things, you know? And he just had this way of looking at business as this almost sport where it's like, you just played it and it's fun and you win and you lose. And, you know, like it kind of goes around rather than these like monumental quests that we always think, kind of think we're on. Um, and so I read that book and then turned around and like literally read it all over again (laughs) Um, and that would have been yeah probably seven or eight years ago but that was where I'm like I just want to build things you know like that's that's the path that's for me Um, and I want to build things in a little bit unconventional way I really vibe with what he was doing Um, the other book that I think everyone should read is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and so he was uh, the head F- or extreme terrorism negotiator for the FBI. Um, and so it's cool. Cause like you read, there's so many books about negotiations out there. Um, and most of them are just bullshit. Like it's not that the principles don't work, but they're, they don't come at it from a human emotional level. They come at it from like a, let's try and logically come up to this place that we get to a place where we agree. Um, And so this book, Never Split the Difference, is just about the fact that every negotiation is just an interaction between two humans trying to satisfy psychological needs. Um, And it's cool because he talks about how everything he's teaching in the book can be used manipulatively, um, and that's not his intention. The real point is that in order to be a really good terrorist negotiator, you genuinely have to hear what the other person's saying, you know, and you you can't sit there and demand them with anger or aggression because they'll just kill whoever they're holding hostage. Um, And that through some really powerful, but simple languaging, you can actually try and figure out what that person wants and needs. And then you can actually service them as they need um, and it's cool because that book for me made me realize how much of like the conversations we're having are just me spitting my side out and then thinking I'm listening to the other person just to spit more of my side out. Um, and he just reading that book, I read it probably seven or eight times now. It's all about like creating the space for somebody to genuinely be heard. Um, and I think if everyone read that book, um, our conversations would be deeper and way more constructive. And we'd actually get to points with one another where we know what they're trying to get to. Um, and from that point you can actually build up. Um, so in a a roundabout way, it's like, it's another one of those books that teaches people how to actually interact with somebody else, which when you think about what we do on like an almost everyday basis, it's just most of our lives is interacting with other people.
0: Yeah. Um, so when do you find time to read then? I mean, you got to be busy with this company and everything else you're doing, you know. Are you reading in the morning when you're waking up at 4:30? Are you reading before bed? Like, you know, I f- I feel like that's the common thing I hear people say like, "Oh, I just don't have time to read or I'm too busy." And I mean, you found time when you're walking to work to listen to books. Like, you know, when are you actually making this a priority in your life in order to read 50-60 books a year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's two things there. Like one is prioritizing it. Like I make time because I want, I want what's there, you know? Um, And having read, yeah, I've probably read 200 books in the last four years. Like having seen how much knowledge that's given me um, it's really easy for me to make time for it, you know? Um, And so that's one of those things where it's like, I'd rather work for seven hours a day and spend an hour reading something that teaches me about how to work better than I would working for eight hours a day. Um so that's a big one. The other one is with the audiobooks, it's so simple, you know? Like you just I'll go I'll go skateboard, you know, and I, I skateboard every time it's sunny and it's like I'll just go for like a thirty minute skate and I'll just listen to an audiobook, you know? Um when I'm walking to the gym, like those little ten minutes, um, where it just kind of slowly adds up. And sometimes I'll read a book and like sections over sections over sections again. Um, But just kind of try and fill that void time with it. Now, the flip side to that is that I also deeply value time to just sit and think. You know, I think we're so busy as a society that we never actually sit there and be like, what are we actually doing? Um, And for a while there, I got so into listening to audiobooks that I didn't find, like literally all of my free time would be listening to audiobooks and I wouldn't let my brain think enough. Um but I think it's just like yeah, I would challenge anyone to make it through four audiobooks in the next 4 months. You know, and I think one of the really cool things is like we're so distracted as a society. The biggest thing that I hear all the time is like I just can't pay attention. You know, like I don't understand what they're saying and I'm like that is true for some people who don't learn very well auditorily. Um but the truth is, is that most of us just have never learned to listen, you know, and the more books you listen to, the better you get at listening. Um, and that was a really cool thing. Like when I first started, like I couldn't pay attention for more than five seconds. And then by like the third or fourth book, I'm like, okay, like I'm getting, I'm getting the gist of it. And now like you just train yourself to get good at something, you know? And so I always find it funny when somebody is like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not good at listening to audiobooks, And I'm like, well if I gave you a guitar and you'd never play guitar, would you expect to be good at it? <laughs> you know? And it's like, the answer is no, but none, so few of us are willing to dive in. Um, so that was a really big realization I had is like actually practicing, getting good at listening and actively playing with what they're saying as I'm listening to it. Yeah. Which is cool. Like I clean the house and I'll just listen to an audio book or I'll cook. When I'm meal prepping, I'll listen to an audio book or when I'm walking to the gym or when I'm driving.
0: Yeah. I think that's like similar with podcasts. That's why podcasts have really uh kind of increased in popularity recently just because you're able to do it when you're doing other things and it's like yeah, if you're washing dishes or cleaning the house, you can also be learning or being entertained or whatever. So, just having that that time as well to kind of do two things at once, but not in like a you know, they say like multitasking actually doesn't really help you. It's kind of makes both tasks worse, but with, when doing a task like washing the dishes or cleaning or just walking to work, it's like, well, you aren't really doing anything, so use that to do something more constructive. So, yeah, totally. it's really cool. Um, all right, we're getting close to two hours, so we'll kind of start Damn. to wrap it up. I know, it's flown by. Um, Time goes by, man. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I haven't asked this yet, but um, something I kept seeing in your pictures was you holding up a little pamphlet or a little piece of paper that says, you were born to do more than just pay bills and die. And it seems yeah. like this kind of like a mantra for chasing sunrise maybe, or maybe a mantra for your life. Um, could you explain more about this and, you know, what, what does this mean? Why is it in a bunch of your pictures and something that you seem to kind of live by?
1: Yeah, that was just one of those, like, you know, when you could like create that like really dumb thing that ends up becoming a thing, <laughs> that was just definitely one of those, you know, um, it was just something that I wrote. I had this picture. Um, it just had this fun day where, uh, we were out at the lake and it was a Monday and my buddies all had to go back to work and I had a suit there. And so we were just, me and my buddies stayed behind and I put on the suit and we all went wake surfing the whole day and we just took pictures of me and I'm wearing this the suit. And we sent it back to my buddies. Um, that had to go to the office. This is like, just one of those like playful jokes back and forth. Um, and then out of there, like, I don't know, I don't know how it actually came to be if it was like a mix of taking little pieces from certain people. And I just, I wrote that down on this card one um, and it just kind of stuck, you know, and it was that in a way, like a statement that you can't, no one can disagree with, you know, like it's not offensive. It's not trying to say like F you to anybody, but it's like, no one can argue that that's why we're here you know, is just to pay bills and then die. And so it just kind of became that thing that I printed it out on a shirt once and then somebody else wanted it and then a bunch of other people wanted it. So I printed out a whole bunch of them. Um, and then I got them on cards and people were like, hey, can you send me some cards? And so it just kind of became this thing. Um, and it's just this like really simple reminder that like you got to pay bills you've got to work, you know, like unless you're born in some world where you have a trust fund, you don't have to work. Um, that's, those are just like parts of the game we're in, you know? Um, but to forget that there's life beyond that is a travesty, you know? Um, and so it's like in this world where you do have to go to work and you do have obligations and you do have a family potentially, and you want to raise good kids, like how do you not lose those sparks of life that still keep you alive? Because when somebody is in that space, they show up to every other part of their life so much better. Um, and I think that's really what that's become to me is like, even in the, as my life gets kind of say more complicated, there's more components to it. Some of them bring me a lot of energy. Some of them don't. How do I like not lose that spark of like who Julian is and who Julian wants to be? Because when I'm playing in that space where I'm in that energy, I show up to everything else as a better person. Um, and I think that's true for all of us. You know, we're, we're all have obligations. We all have jobs. We all have bills we got to pay. That's just the status quo. How do we keep honoring the person outside of that rather than just getting caught up in that monotonous machine where you go to work to pay the bill? So you go back to work to pay the new bill. So you get more things that make you feel good for a moment and then you go back to work to pay the bills like and it's just this machine you know and i think i think that's where souls die man i deeply believe that when you get into like that rut where you stop paying attention to like what's inside here you're just on this slow trajectory of like soul death um and you lose the vitality and the energy and you lose the spark of what it means to be lucky enough to be alive and call yourself a human
0: yeah that's powerful man as uh As dumb as it might have been when you first wrote it down, like, it definitely has power. Like, it is. I mean, you see that all the time, just people who got stuck in that machine, and they just look lifeless in a way, soulless, just like, yeah, yeah, not for me, or I don't know, it's kind
1: of sad in a way,
0: but yeah.
1: It is, and it's it's, it's that, the second they get to, like, that jaded and resigned, you know, like... That's, that's part of part of what i want to do with cs and part of what we want to do with cs is like you see people that are like 35 and they're just resigned they're like yeah that's life you know and you're just like no man that doesn't have to be you know like as long as you don't give up it's cool you know and like that's one of the the things i just made a promise to myself like even with building things is like i just never want to get to a point that i've become resigned to like, that's just the way it is. And I give up on everything that I've felt inside here, you know? Um, And I think we all have an obligation to ourselves not to do that and an obligation to call each other out on that, you know? And like, I've had so many friends that have come up to me in like low moments of my life where I'm just like, I've lost, just lost that drive and lost that hope. And they're like, yeah, I remember when we were like 24 and you told me this, like, where's that kid, you know? Um, And I'm like, fuck, I did say that, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, and and the truth is, when you pull the weight of the world off that I put on myself in certain situations, I'm like, that kid's still there, you know? And I think deep inside all of us, we have that. And so, yeah, how do we honor it? And how do we help other people honor it?
0: Yeah, that's that's important. I mean, even just to hear that, you know, you can lose that even when you make that a priority in your life and you remind yourself and have people around you, there's still times where you kind of forget it and you go into these periods where, you're not sure and you kind of lose sight of that. So yeah, you know, just hearing that I'm sure it will help a lot of people and, you know, is important to remember for anyone. So appreciate it. Yeah. So I guess kind of finish up here. I know you guys uh, chasing sunrise has an upcoming trip back to the Yukon territory to chase some auroras. Um, Is that, is registration for that already closed? Is that?
1: Okay. Yes, yeah, so we just uh, we're just about to announce another second trip to that, so okay. it's going to be happening March twenty second to twenty fifth.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and it's just really like, how do you respark that like bit of adventure, you know, and surround yourself with really cool people, put yourself on a mission where you want to go do some fun stuff, um, and then in Vancouver, uh, we're actually rolling out uh, all our summer events pretty quick, so getting back to like weekly events in the city. Um, some of them as small as like three hours where it's just like those little pokes and prods to like get people together, get them outside, um, get them doing fun stuff and and just remind ourselves that like there's a huge fun world out there and it's our obligation to go play in it.
0: Cool. Do you guys have uh, any immediate plans to kind of expand some of those to some other cities outside of Vancouver or Canada?
1: Uh, Yeah, so we're actually building an entire platform that's going to just kind of house and manage all this together. Um, Because there's just a lot of logistical work on the back end as far as making sure that it stays true to why it started and the values and stuff like that. So that platform will be rolling out probably early summer. And once that's out, then that will allow us to actually build up communities in other cities around the world. So if people are interested, they'll be able to head to the website ChasingSunrise.com. And if there is a city that they want to actually get up and running, we do have all the process built out for that. They can get in touch with us and we can chat about it.
0: Cool. Awesome. Um, and I guess, is there anything that we haven't discussed or I haven't asked today that you'd want to bring up or kind of leave our listeners with?
1: Hey, man, the only the only thing is just, like, for every single person listening to this, to, like, just really look inwards and be like, what the hell do you want, you know? Um, and more importantly, to carve the time out to do yourself justice in answering that. You know, I think we're so busy in our lives nowadays that we, we just keep putting that off and keep putting that off and keep putting that off. And the hard truth is that you'll put that off. And then one day you're going to die, you know, and, and that's it, you know, and it happens to everybody. Um, so find the time today. And even if it's uncomfortable to go in there and sit with it, and even if you don't have answers, do your future self the justice to sit with that today. And you can't, you can't do anything, but good things. if You find the time today to do that. So, Just leave
0: them with that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been terrific, and thank you for being so open and so vulnerable with all of us because uh, it definitely makes the conversation a lot better and and more powerful, I think, for everyone listening. Um, Where is the best place for people to reach out if they have a question or just want to say hello or to hear more about you?
1: Yeah, they can either find me on Instagram, um, at the shoot just slide into my dms i'm generally pretty good at answering those um or if they head to my website juliandeshooter.com, um there's a ton of ways to get in touch with me there so i'm pretty pretty active on all of them um and if you got questions that are nagging like i'm just a human being reach out ask i won't bite promise
0: (laughs) terrific cool well thank you so much and uh thank you everyone else for listening and until next time
1: all right guys take care
0: Hey everyone, Lee here again real quick with the question of the episode. And for today's question, I'm going to challenge you to get a little bit vulnerable with this one. So the question is, what makes you feel most alive? Looking at your life right now, are you making time to pursue this? If yes, how? If no, what is the first step you could take in order to make this a priority into your life? Head to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash EOCP 22, that's the numbers 22, and leave your answer in the comment section at the bottom of the post. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to reading your answers. Cheers!